from the Mystery School in Los Angeles, it's your host, Michael Benner. Thanks a lot for being here. Today is Sunday, May 19 of 2013, and it's 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 20 hours Universal. Today's topic in the Mystery School is spiritual activism, or if you wish, awareness-based activism. It's about consciousness. And, you know, there are many of us. I know personally countless friends of mine and, and acquaintances, other people who are involved in what might be seen as politically based or socially based activist movements, but who are very frustrated with government and don't really believe that legislation, either on the federal or state or local level, is the only way or the best way to create reform. That ultimately, and certainly fundamentally or primarily, what we're attempting to do as reformers is raise consciousness, that is to wake people up, to lift awareness of the problem and often the fact that solutions exist. All of the major problems that we face as planetary citizens could be solved. We have the solutions. We have multiple solutions. We know how to solve the problems. What we don't have is the will. Because usually there is a benefit to somebody. There's a profit motive or some sort of benefit to the status quo such that those who are benefiting from the status quo, the way things are, are going to resist attempts to change things. And they know that it's really not about getting new laws. They know that Ultimately and fundamentally, change is about getting the information out, informing people that solutions exist. This is why you see the fourth estate, the news media, being consumed and consolidated by the same people that have pretty much taken over government with campaign contributions. We know that in the United States, for example, both political parties and, yes, people elsewhere in the world might be surprised that democracy in America means two choices, but <laughs> people are pretty binary in their thinking and tend to believe that third choices just confuse everything. The Americans really like simplicity. So it's either this or that. It's the left side of the aisle or the right side of the aisle. Going back to the old, the days of the French Revolution, when left and right wing was first coined. And the right wing, of course, were those loyal to the crown and the throne. And the liberals or the progressives on the left side of the central aisle were those who were more populist and anti-loyalist, anti-tyranny, anti-monarchy, and we're really promoting democracy. 
It's interesting the right wing in America tries to suggest that they're the real freedom lovers, but that certainly is not the tradition or the philosophy of so-called conservative or right-wing thinking. So generally, it's the right wing that is resisting change. Certainly, there are some exceptions to that. It depends on what type of change you're talking about. But that's why the left or the liberal is progressive. They want to move forward. The conservative wants to stay where they are or maybe even return to the the good old days when people knew their place and the caste system was in place, for example. Minorities accepted that they had less power. Women accepted that they had less power. And old white guys pretty much ran the banks and the corporations and the government. Well, that power has been consolidated, and the channels of information, the mass media, is now part of that. Corporate-owned, mainstream media. And, of course, there's a deliberate attempt to cover that up, so conservatives talk about the mainstream media as if it were actually liberal and run by a bunch of unions or progressives. (laughs) But if you actually look at who owns the media or just look at the editorial policy of the media, you'll see that it's ultimately very, very conservative, though there are attempts made to portray itself as centrist or or moderate. Now, what's changing is that we have new media. We have social media. We have the internet, so to speak. We have all kinds of uh, new innovations from email to social nets like Facebook with hundreds of millions of people networked together. And then there are, of course, countless others, Twitter and Tumblr and, and Reddit and Pinterest, and the list just goes on and on and on. It's interesting If you've ever done this, if not, you may want to Google social nets and look at the numbers. Look at how many people are members of each of the social nets and how some are more popular in various parts of the world and the popularity of certain social nets in South America or Europe, for example, would be very different than those social nets that are popular in Asia or Africa or North America, for example, it really varies. Yet, obviously, there is crossover and intersection, and you can network with people all over the world one way or another, at the very least with email. There are blogs now. Anybody that wants can You don't even need access to a printing press. You can just, in a matter of 10 minutes, set up a free blog and put your material out there. And with just some amateur skills at self-promotion, begin to create influence. So here in the free forum for the next few minutes and then in greater detail in the premium training that follows in about 20 minutes, we're going to talk about how you can be a more effective social activist, 
particularly if you are spiritually based or an awareness-based activist. And what you're really trying to do is raise awareness or raise consciousness to inform people and to convert them to your particular cause. And you don't really have a political agenda. You're really not trying to get legislation passed. Uh, That may happen downstream, and there may eventually be a need for that. But the spiritual activist or the awareness-based activist is really a agent of change that's working at the most basic level to just educate and to inform. And yet, we often find ourselves in a position of arguing politics. And then you offend people because often they're not very well informed and they get very emotionally defensive. They identify personally with a position. They do the same thing with religion. You know, religion and politics can really wreck a family dinner especially those holiday meals where the relatives come in from far away and there's (laughs) you've always got that one uncle or that drinks too much and is very uninformed or worse yet misinformed and boy has all these beliefs that can be upsetting but then if you push back and try to educate them or inform them Even in a balanced and and objective way, they get very defensive and emotionally worked up. And now you've done more damage. Not only did you not do any good, but you've really done a lot of damage. And how do we avoid that? Well, I got a few tips I want to touch on here. And as I say, in the premium training, we'll get into depth on this. I hope you're already enrolled. If you're not yet enrolled, you can do so by going at any time. You'll have about five minutes at the end of this podcast. If you're listening live, I'm calling the podcast, but if you're listening to this webinar live, it's about 12 minutes after one now Pacific, and you'll have about five minutes between the end of this webinar and the beginning of the premium training webinar to enroll you'll only need about 60 seconds go to theagelesswisdom.com or if you are listening to the podcast or a streaming replay you can enroll at any time up until the point the newsletter comes out which is usually friday or saturday any enrollment at theagelesswisdom.com, the W's dot theagelesswisdom.com, will give you the URL and password for the previous Sunday's webinar. Okay? So as soon as the newsletter comes out, at that point, if you enroll, you'll get the upcoming information. So that's how that works. Just... Click on webinars and then premium training. Use your bank card, ATM, debit, credit, whatever. And in, like I say, about 60 seconds, you can enroll for a single class for a 13-week quarter or the deepest discount for a full year. And then each week, the 
newsletter will be sent to you with the link to the free forum, 1 o'clock Pacific, and a special email will arrive on Saturday night or Sunday morning with the URL on the link for the premium training at 1.30. That's how that works. When you register just before an event, the thank you page will have the URL and password. So let's talk about some of the tips here, okay, for avoiding these emotional arguments and the alienation and, and the hassle of trying to convert your family and your friends and bring them on board with good, accurate information. I think the first tool or tip is to understand that you don't have to be 24-7, always engaged, always coming from fear and desperation. You're going to do a lot more damage than good if you're always engaged, if you're always on. People will avoid you like the plague. Even people who have the information, who agree with you and who support you, are going to quickly get bored with the fact that you may not talk about anything else. Whatever your issue is, maybe you're opposed to war, maybe you're an environmentalist and your interest is saving the whales or the redwood trees or or the oceans or soil erosion or global warming and the greenhouse effect, whatever. It could be... Uh, your issue of honeybee collapse, or maybe you care more about human rights and you're a union organizer. It could be anything. It could be all of these things. You know, you're, you want the truth about 9-11 and chemtrails and UFOs, and there's just so much. But you got to give it a rest. You just can't go at people 24-7. This needs to be a part of your life, but not all of your life. If it is, I think what we need to take a look at, if we're going to really be awareness-based, is to expand our awareness of our true motives. Are we angry and upset for personal reasons? For example, the product of dysfunctional families. Were we abused and mistreated or even ignored as children, you know, being ignored as a type of child abuse also, such that we're hurt and we're angry and we become adults who often use politics as an opportunity to vent our frustration and our anger that in fact is coming from a much more personal place. Now, it doesn't mean that you haven't found good issues issues that do hurt you and stimulate that pain of injustice because you feel you were treated unjustly. I was talking with a friend recently about her passion for the movie Django and, and why she loved this revenge movie so much. And we decided that both of us have a sense of wanting revenge as a result of the way we were raised, both of us abused, both of us from dysfunctional families. And so we see the revenge that is portrayed in this movie about slavery, Tarantino's Django Unchanged, 
as a great opportunity. And then you look around in the world and you see even more opportunity to become involved and concerned and active and and vent that hostility. But many people don't appreciate that their enthusiasm, so to speak, for a social or a political cause is really rooted much more deeply in their own personal pain. Now, once you do understand the deeper roots, then I think it's easier to integrate your passion for social justice, for a sustainable environment, and for the particular issues you care about into a well-balanced life so that you're not constantly on your friends. And I think the second point is you don't need to reach everybody. You know, during the American Civil War, which most people would tell you was about freeing the slaves, unless you're from the South, in which case you would say, oh, no, the Civil War is about states' rights, but it's about the right to keep slaves after all. But barely one-third of American citizens were abolitionists. About one-third were vehemently opposed to abolition and supported slavery, and the remaining one-third were somewhere in the middle. And so it was not everybody by any means. It was not the majority. And similarly, in the American Revolution, less than 6% of American citizens were actually involved as volunteers for America, fighting against the British in the American Revolution. Only 6%. So you don't need everybody. There is a big part of America that will always be chronically uninformed, and there's not much you can do about that. When you approach people, you keep in mind that you don't have to argue politics. And when they begin to argue politics... You can very quickly say, you know, I'm really not interested in politics, in Washington, in Republican versus Democrat, or conservative versus liberal. To me, this is about understanding. This is about information. And at this point, and this may be the most important point I have for you here in our little introduction today, Use questions. Nobody likes a know-it-all. So how do you persuade? How do you convince? How do you inform? How do you raise awareness with people who are uninformed and resist your information only because they are uninformed? They figure they have the same right to an opinion as you do, but it's debatable. (laughs) They're either grossly uninformed or sometimes misinformed, depending on where they get their news and information and who they hang out with. So using questions, instead of forcing your particular language and insisting that your particular view or your information is right and they're wrong, I mean, when did you ever really win an argument by needing the other person to admit that they're absolutely wrong and you, therefore, are absolutely right. It's not a very smart way to argue. So, use questions. What's your understanding of 
global warming. And it takes some patience. You have to breathe. You have to relax. You have to resist the temptation to pounce or to tell people that they're wrong or to (laughs) ridicule them or insult them. Sometimes it's not easy. You hear really, you know, some really dumb stuff. But follow it up with another question. And even your statements of fact can be posed as questions. For example, did you know da 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 Like, I read this, and then you want to use your references, your high credible references and multiple sources. Did you know, or I read this article, or I heard this report, or there's uh, several studies that have recently been released that indicate that, and the more calm you can be, the less emotional you can be. And the secret is slow, deep breathing and relaxation. And remembering that even if you do persuade someone their pride may prevent them from admitting it on the spot. So consider that you're sort of a social, political, awareness-based Johnny Appleseed, and your job is not to create apple trees with apples on them. You're just planting seeds and walking away and knowing that in time, those seeds will grow because ultimately those people who are better informed become more hopeful. Knowledge is power. You've always heard that. Knowledge is power. To be uninformed is frightening. And sometimes it appears as if people love their fear and don't want to let go of their fear. But it is scary to be ignorant and to be confused. And if in a cool, calm, and collected way, you're offering information that is making you not only knowledgeable but hopeful, they're going to want a piece of that action. They say, well, this guy is all informed. He seems to have this information, and he's at ease and at peace, or she is, is happier than me. And, I, you know, they may never admit it out loud, but they know in their mind and in their hearts that they're confused and they don't have that hope. They don't have the information. They don't have the knowledge or the understanding. They don't have the power. And they want some of what you've got, that peace, that active hope that comes from being well-informed. So you may just have to settle for the fact that you're planting seeds. Well, that's about all I've got time for in today's webinar. We may be listening, as I say, to the streaming audio or the podcast. If you are with us live, you can use the box in front of us on the webpage and... uh, share a comment or a question. We have someone online, for example, live today named Diamond Heart, and I'm not sure where they are, but they say, great subject. I've always thought and experienced that one of the best ways to activate spiritual activism is light. And you can imagine what they're talking about. Light can do what 
we cannot do physically. What are your thoughts and ideas on this? I'm pretty much certain that what they're talking about as light, and they're capitalizing the word, is the essence of spirituality, which is spiritual love with a capital L. And that is consciousness or awareness or understanding. It is a real electromagnetic force. It harmonizes and unifies all things. It's available to all of us in the way (laughs) we were talking a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, about fish and water and that old story where the fish says to the other fish as he swims by, how's the water? And the other fish say, what's water? And That's our situation with awareness, or what this person is calling light. What is light? Well, it's love, and not emotional love so much. Not the love that has an ebb and a flow to it, but the eternal and the infinite and everywhere equally present love that is consciousness or awareness itself. And I'll be looking at these other comments after the class today, so thank you for that. You can also email me anytime you'd like at my initials, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. mb like Michael Benner or Mary Baker, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. So, hope you're able to join us in a couple of minutes at the premium training, and in any event, have a great day today and a wonderful week. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.